My name is Jenna Ash and I'm the Editor of Education Technology. I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Priya Lakani OBE, founder and CEO of the award-winning AI education technology company, Century Tech. Hey Priya, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you Jenna. How are you? I'm fantastic and thank you very much for joining us today. You and everyone at Century have been incredibly busy over the last few months with everything going on. Yeah. Um, so amid all the madness, what's been keeping you sane in your downtime? Yeah, your lockdown saviour. Oh, do you know, I think since I started running Century, I don't, I don't really have downtime. I've got kids. Oh, so, fair uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, it's been really interesting, obviously, for me as well, because uh, working at home and then having two kids homeschooling, sharing bandwidth with them is, is never been, it's not been that easy. But, um, oh, gosh. Then, you know, it's, um, I don't know what's keeping me sane at these, at these really strange times. Obviously, the, the world is changing. We're in the world's largest experiment, um, you know, especially when it comes to online learning. But actually, there's just some really nice gestures. I'm noticing that, you know, when we, you go for your weekly supermarket shop, um, people are smiling at each other more. Uh, people are helping their neighbours. I don't know. There's a lot happening. I know it's disastrous. It's devastating, um, this virus and what it's done to the world, to the country. Mm -hmm. um, people's family friends but I'm also noticing um this amazing side of humanity um which is uh which in London and excuse me Londoners but you know we all know the stereotypes and what we can sometimes get like um you know we've got that sort of laser focus on what we're doing and, and sometimes they want to look up um but I'm actually noticing a beautiful side of of people and of neighbours and good Samaritans so so that's generally what's keeping me sane I think there's a lot of positive things that I'm saying whereas and it's difficult to say that um but yeah and so, oh, that's uh, so lovely and also I'm not flying around all the time uh, all over the world so I'm getting to spend time with my own kids and I'm just sort of seeing them hearing them you know kids can come up with the most hilarious like one-liners you know even if they're homeschooling they don't think anyone's listening to them at home yeah so, yeah it's been quite nice actually in some ways although granted I understand that this is not an ideal <laughs> situation yeah yeah, of course that's a really nice answer it's so nice to I mean everyone's doing the best they can aren't they so it's so right. nice to think of the positives <laughs> yeah, and I think and that's really important because I think when it comes to um obviously you know doing commentary you know on news in terms of healthcare, looking at schools and all the different wide variety of homeschooling or even no homeschooling that's that's happening you know the lack of homeschooling in some places I think everyone's trying their best and I think that's what we have to remember you know, rather than criticising what's happening or not happening, I think every individual is really trying. It's just that, you know, we don't always have um, the resources available to us that other people do. And yeah. I think it's that, you know, we have to appreciate that. And, um, but again, as I said, you know, I'm seeing some really nice, wonderful, touching sides of humanity at the moment that um, I don't think any of us will forget. So let's hope that as we get through this horrible period, that we maintain that at least. Yeah, fingers crossed, eh? Um, so yeah, as I say, lovely to think of those positive things there, Priya. And over the next about 30 minutes, I'm just going to be chatting to you about your career and your perceptions of the sector. So let's take a quick step back in time. And in 2013, you founded Century, um, the AI-driven teaching and learning platform. Um, with everything you've learned about the sector, how important do you think personalization is in education for the success of current and future students? And where, I guess, how exactly does AI fit in? Yeah, so personalization's always been key. And this is not new, right? I mean, yeah. every teacher that's ever taught, even that taught our grandparents, right, would have said, you know, that he or she personalizes for every student because 
you know, that's what they try and do. And I think it's, uh, this is not a new concept. It's what we aim to do. It's our goal for every child to provide, um, to differentiate for them, to figure out where they are struggling, where they need stretch. But um, it's just not possible to do with the, the amount of, um, you know, the resources that we have with the amount of sort of the curriculum we have to deliver in a short period of time, but also just the class sizes, the number of children per teacher. You know, you can't differentiate for 30 children in a class. In fact, if we look at, you know, independent schools, you can't differentiate for 15 children at any one time. Um, and they're pretty good class sizes in our mind. People pay to go to those schools. So mm-hmm. personalization has always been at the forefront of most teachers' minds. It's just, it's not possible to do. And so the idea, and you know, the second part of your question about AI yeah. is, you know, it wasn't just about AI itself. It was just, okay, here's a problem. We want to personalize, we know we do. Every teacher wants to be able to do that for each child. Every child deserves a personalized education. So how do we do that? And then we looked at other technology and, and other tools available to us. And there's no magic wand being waved. If we could hire 40,000 teachers right now, I'd be very happy to do that and say, hey, you know, this is great. Yeah, exactly. we can do this now. But the fact is, we just don't have the ability to do that. And, this, that, and that problem is just going to continue getting worse over time, you know, in terms of we don't have um, enough teachers. We can't afford enough teachers. I mean, we don't even pay our current teachers enough. So, yeah. so you know, if we had 40,000 more, where's that budget coming from? And, and so actually, you know, that's, that's a really important point about the payment, of, you know, paying teachers. I mean, mm. you know, we all see well, I wish we paid them more. So, so how do we solve this problem? And so the idea is, that let's look at technology that's been transforming every other sector in the world. Why hasn't it transformed the second largest sector, arguably the most important sector of the world, education? And so in 2013, um, I was, uh, I was basically, I had no intention of starting a century or anything like it. Um, I was funding schools, vaccines and meals um, around the world with another company that I had launched and it was successful. So I, you know, I could do what I wanted with it. Um, and I was trying to do all this good in the world, but I realized that I was replicating the British model when it came to funding schools in Commonwealth countries. And we've got to solve this one size fits all delivery of education. We've got to be able to personalize. We've also got to free up teacher time. And so looking at technology out there, I saw all that sort of legacy tech, you know, the maths app right or even the rules-based maths app which is an app that goes line by line with your formula in maths to see how a child is working things out well it's as good as the human who programmed it and I thought what if a child completely missteps what if they're you know it's such a nuance you know with the way in which they behave with their mathematics that you know a machine like that's not going to be able to spot it because it's input output it's like an excel spreadsheet right so we just thought well how, how can we be using technology to personalize which hotels you're going to stay in? What you're going to buy off Amazon? What you're going to watch off Netflix? Why is search is so good? When you look for something online, it was just getting better and better. Why can't we use that same backbone, that same technology, but apply neuroscience to it? You know, how do we learn? Um, look at education and delivery methods of education. And I had a bit of experience in education myself for a couple of years teaching. So I thought, okay, why don't we combine all of this knowledge and build this as sort of a state-of-the-art machine that learns how Jenna learns, right? So if it can learn how Jenna learns and then essentially can personalize for you, you yeah, know, you could be um, actually a very keen mathematician, but if you misstep, and <laughs> I'm sure you are, but I mean, well, every, everyone is, is, is good at math, I suppose, is the argument. I mean, we can get us a whole other whole other podcast or, you know, interview that we can do. Um, but, um, but, you know, if, if we're looking at you and your maths, for example, and you're, you're, you're not understanding Pythagoras' theorem, you know, a lot of platforms or apps out there will just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. 
but actually we want a machine that can figure out it's because you don't understand roots and powers right if you're struggling in physics if imagine if it's because you're struggling in maths right and and for example the, the standard maths app what if it's because you don't understand the question that might not have anything to do with your maths capability of actual calculation um it might just have something to do with the fact that you don't quite read the question or understand the question properly so um the idea was how can we use technology and it just happens to be that ai is the answer it's the big buzzword but it is the answer for providing that personalization and that's that's basically what we we came up with sure thank you so much priya and obviously i guess moving back to the situation now it's a uh, historic and the word that we all keep hearing endlessly unprecedented time for the sector and for education especially it, it really is a crisis you know the strain on teachers and yeah. i mean as you get as you were saying going back to the pay thing it, you know with everything happening now as well how does it affect the teacher crisis for example but so i guess we're looking at it short term as in everyone had to shift online immediately to minimize the disruption right so how do you think the pandemic will impact teaching and learning long term? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think obviously there are teachers out there who've got to grips with technologies, um, whether it's the Microsoft Teams, Zoom or Google Hangouts. Um, I, I, or, you know, or technology like Century, right, which is uh, embedded in their sort of teaching and learning practice. You can do it at home, homeschooling, you can do it obviously when you go back to school um, and it's used very effectively there. Um, and I think the difference is the teachers that are simply using the WebEx technology Mm -hmm. we'll go back to doing what they did before pretty much and then they'll experience new technologies they'll adopt them but in the same way they did before and right. it hasn't catalyzed anything for them because they'll go back to teaching face to face and that is going to be easier than on zoom and teams and hangouts um and they'll say this is a lot easier um, and and that, that will be the way it is for them. There are then the schools that have been using new technologies like Century, right? And they're going to see, well, this technology could augment teaching and learning in the classroom as well. So when, when they go back, um, what COVID has done is it has catalyzed the adoption of new technology for those schools mm -hmm. and time. So teachers will save an enormous amount of time marking, assessing and analysing. Teachers will then be a lot more impactful, which has been measured, you know, so we've got um, evidence-based sort of evidence, you know, studies uh, demonstrating that impact on outcomes improves, teacher time is saved, and they'll benefit from that. And so, but, but I think that you know, it's possibly about a third of schools will benefit in that way, and about two thirds of schools in the country will not have used advanced technology. Yeah. And so they'll still be in a census in, a, in the same position they were in January. 2020 where you know they'll go back to old school and i sort of say you know you'd mind the pun but that's, that's what it'll be like and the only issue that we have to be careful of there is that you can't restrict other schools from using new technology because it's there and it's there to be used but we have to be careful about the attainment gap because obviously if those schools are now you know essentially increasing outcomes saving time um being more efficient it's about working smarter rather than harder for teachers yeah. then what will happen is that you know that there, there may well then be a, a larger gap when it comes to the attainment of the students from those schools and others i mean and that we just have to be a little bit careful of so you know for us it's been very much with with covid about giving out the technology for free making sure everyone gets a go on it so you see sees what it's like um, but I do believe that in a few years, in five years time, everybody will be using technology like centuries, you know, AI technology, true AI, not um, fake AI, not you know, rule based. It's personalized and adaptive. Yeah, actually, it's not an autonomous learning machine because we have to be careful about how people describe their technologies. 
Um, yeah. and, um, and I think teachers have to become quite savvy about what they're actually signing up to use. Um, and, you know, but yeah, I think that, I think we'll see that there'll be a huge growth. And I think the digital skills have already increased, um, you know, I wouldn't say across the board, but in many, many places. Yeah. Um, We've just got big issues, Jenna. You know, we've got um, the te this technology is there. It's, it's not really about that. It's about the infrastructure, making sure that everyone has bandwidth. It's about devices. Even if we dish out hundreds of thousands of free devices, you know, they get what they become old in a few years. So, how are we going to replace those? Um, it's about ensuring that teachers know that they should be downloading the latest versions of certain browsers to be able to operate technology. And then it's really about how to embed technology in the classroom without increasing workloads. You know, how can you actually leverage this to make your life easier and to improve the outcomes of students? And, and, and for me, the, you know, that is very simple. That's just looking at teachers who already do it. It's not about loads of hours of CPD and, you know, frankly, making teachers' lives more challenging because yeah. they're already so busy. But yeah, it's just about looking at role models, looking at other innovative teachers out there um, you know, seeing the examples from them, they shout out very loudly on social media, thankfully, on, on about what they're using and how they use it. And essentially, other teachers can replicate those models. So, so I think we will get there. Um, but they've been doing a tremendous job, all of them. I agree. Across the country. Yeah. And they've really struggled. Some of them have not been able to take on um, Century properly because they had no devices or lack of bandwidth. There were very few, to be fair, the ones that got in touch. Very, very Most people have just taken, you know, got on with it but everyone has been trying really hard. There is no teacher who sat at home thinking, great, I've got time at home now. They've been um, you know, delivering free school meals. So in the Midlands, you've got the Shireland Collegiate Academy. I spoke to Sir Mark Grundy only a couple of weeks ago. You know, all the staff were out delivering meals to children. I mean, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? And you just think, yeah. Yeah. So last year, Century won its first ever partnership to roll out AI tech across 700 schools in Belgium. That's obviously huge and one part of what's placed Century in front of thousands worldwide. But what do you envision for the future of, of the company of, of Century? And what do you think comes next for AI in education? Yeah, so, well, there's that. I mean, there's, there's uh, so, so those often, you start with a few schools, just it's really important to note. So the way you do that is you start with a few schools, you embed it, and you have sort of a train the trainer model. Those schools become pioneers in using the technology and then they I train like thing about role models. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, that is our model. So we don't um, we don't roll out in seven hundred in one go. Yeah. You know, you roll out in ten, then forty, then fifty, then a, then a hundred, then a thousand, and then it kind of that, that's how you roll out sensibly. Um, and because teachers like to listen to other teachers, and so there's been a few more um, partnerships like that, which are great. Um, my my most favourite recent one, I suppose, has been with Lebanon. So in Lebanon, they have uh, a quarter of a million Lebanese students in school obviously now homeschooling. They have a quarter of a million Syrian refugees um, who weren't attending school in the afternoons. And then obviously now they're homes well, homeschooling as well. They have very limited resources. And so Lebanon did something absolutely incredible. They, the, the Minister of Education um, put Century and Microsoft Teams into you know, all homes and all homes can use this and actually funded it as well, uh, which was absolutely incredible. Um, they've said that, you know, for example, families don't have to pay for the bandwidth of it. And that's, that's been an incredible, um, journey for us just getting that done um and the uk government helped us with that which was absolutely phenomenal so definitely played its part in terms of um helping abroad um mm. i know there's been lots of conversations about diffid and the home office and all of that now but yeah. you know there are people who work for the government who are incredibly passionate about doing good mm -hmm. um and you know aid work abroad so that happened that's why you know and that's been fantastic that's about leveling the playing field so it's about this technology 
um, you know, being in front of children in, uh, in potentially refugee camps. Um, yeah. And then that's really important to me. You know, I started this in the first place to ensure that we can improve education and that's for everybody, um, not just for not just for a few. And, and then I just see, yeah, and then, you know, we've gone from sort of, I think it was 11 countries, I think. I often get told off for getting this wrong. I think it's 11 countries to 43 countries, I heard okay. yesterday. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and it's thanks to the team. I mean, the team has worked incredibly hard um, and they've managed to get it out there. So every parent who's requested it, every school that's requested it has been onboarded, has been using it. Um, and, and, and our team's just been fantastic. They're, um, you know, they've worked really hard to get it out there. So, um, yeah, the, the more schools that we meet across the world, it's amazing. You also learn a lot about culture. You learn about, um, you know, how the school system works and the curriculum as well. And, um, there are countries now, you know, really making strides. So some of them are saying, look, we really need a robust system going forward. So the fact that this happened and there was nothing really in place for everybody, um, was not, you know, it was obviously not ideal. So they are now making strides forward in terms of what kind of infrastructure is necessary. And I think the most important thing is to think about that sort of triangle I always talk about, which is the hardware, the software, um, you know, and the infrastructure. So it's about making sure that you've got the bandwidth, making sure you've got the devices, and then obviously the technology is there. It's in yeah. the cloud. It's very, very easy uh, to deploy. It's cheap to deploy, um, but making sure you have those three. So we're doing a fair amount of advisory work at the moment with you know with governments around the world just ensuring that they're thinking about the three the triangle rather than just thinking about buying shiny new tablets you know because you need all three in tandem to have a, a proper ecosystem it's quite interesting as well it ties into what we were talking about right at the beginning of our call about the how positive people have been kind of in the face of adversity and that's what i thought obviously as someone who writes about the sector day in day out it was amazing yeah. to see EdTech companies left, right and centre coming together to, to really help doing all they can. So, yeah. yeah, including Century, as you were saying, reading about all the stuff you guys are doing. It's amazing. <laughs> Education yeah. is so important. Well, I can't take, I can't take uh, credit for Centuries um, because I think I had, I was, it was in, I think it was January, yeah, late January, um, I think it was about the 23rd or 24th of January, something like that. Um, and I had to go to three countries in a week. So, and that's oh. quite for sure. Well, it's just, you know, work. And uh, I'm obviously enjoying being at home at the moment. But uh, yeah. three countries. I think I was in Switzerland and um, they announced lockdown in China. Um, and then I was off to the Middle East. And then I can't remember where I was in Scandinavia. So there were three different places. And I said, in Switzerland, I got a, a Slack message from my team. Um, the four of them formed their own sort of channel and said, um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called China Lockdown or something like this. Um, and they said, can we give Century for free? Uh, because obviously Century was, it's a very premium product. It's the, it's the gold standard yeah. of um, personalized learning technology. It's not the free ones that you can get, which is, you know, every freelancer and whoever making content that hasn't been QA'd properly necessarily, or, you know, it is, it is uh, there's a small army of teachers that create the content who are very experienced. It gets QA'd. And um, the technology has been uh, refined and developed as an AI for years. And so yeah. we, you know, we've been, schools subscribe to it. And they said, can we give it out for free? Um, to all the schools that are being affected by lockdown in China, because China was first. Yeah. And I said, sure. And I said, if you think we can help them. And I remember saying, is there going to be a language barrier? And they said, no, you know, we should be able to um, help them. And even if we need to translate it, can we translate it? I said, sure. I was in Switzerland, right? And so I said, yeah, that's fine. Obviously, that's what we do. We're social enterprise first. It's exactly what we do. Um, and if you're in a position to help, you should help. 
So um, I think I then landed in a part of the Middle East mm-hmm. uh, and they, they sent me a message and said, um, two days later, well, we've, uh, you know, we, we've now deployed the system and we've got a firewall issue with China, <laughs> but we now have it available, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's going to go free. I think by the time I landed in Scandinavia, about four days later, they had launched in several schools. Wow. Um, before. Yeah, before. And then I think they rallied a few more um, of, of the team. And they had launched in the schools. And I said, what do you mean you've launched? It's only been a few days and you've had to get through a firewall and all sorts of stuff. And they said, yeah, we just worked really hard. We got it through. Um, and the kids are learning already. And look at their usage. And I just said, sorcery. How did they do that? <laughs> I just think it was amazing because and, and I was really happy. Yeah, I was really happy because I said, look, you know, when we started this, we had a culture. We wrote the culture down as you do. You know, you put your culture on the wall and, you know, all your statements yeah yeah and, uh, and the first thing is always do the right thing and, and be kind doing it I don't want to work in an organization I don't want to run an organization that's that's not kind and doesn't do the right thing and um and when four members of your team get together and do that you just think wow you know it does run deep and so I can't take credit because they did it by the time I landed back into London I think they'd taken on about 50 schools um yeah. and COVID obviously at that point hadn't hadn't really truly hit the UK you know at that point so um and then we sort of travel you know traveled to then japan italy and uh, around the world so it was definitely definitely the team so very proud of them. sounds like an amazing team you've got there and in yeah, 2018 you um, you co-founded the institute for ethical ai in education yeah so um with again with your knowledge and insights priya what what do you think are the most prominent uh, ethical issues surrounding the implementation and application of ai yeah, so it's a really good question. So, so firstly, I co-founded this because, you know, with Century where it is and, and being, you know, when the AI basically went live a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, and we realised, you know, what we had and what we've been doing, we worked with quite a lot of schools, we worked really closely with our schools. I just thought, look, we want to build the gold standard of technology. Yeah. Um, and if we, uh, and it's an independent institute, just so you know, so I don't really have much say about what's in and out of the report. Um, we, we've got three co-founders and then there's a global council so there's an executive lead who pulls together all the research, works with other institutes um, and, um, you know, across the world. Then there's a global council that looks at what's produced. They comment on it, et cetera. And as the found, we just founded it, really. Um, and Century, you know, the idea is that, that we'll sign up to this um, because we want to do the right thing. So in terms of, you know, th- there's obviously the algorithm bias that everyone talks about that you have to be careful of. Century's not as, with the infrastructure, the way in which we built the, the system, there's not so much of an issue. Uh, we built it in a, in a way in which algorithm bias, um, we, we, you know, we really sort of protected the system from that. But that's something that I think in general with AI, we have to be careful of in EdTech because look, Century is a learn, teaching and learning platform, right? It's not presenting career pathways to kids, but if you've got the sort of education technology that is presenting, hey Jenna, you know, this is what you might want to study next. This is, and I don't mean, go from integers to decimals in maths. I mean, what you might want to study in higher education or you might want to look at this apprenticeship or hear a bunch of jobs available for you. You can start to see there that if you had demographic data of uh, people, you want to be a bit careful about obviously how the machine is recommending um, those sorts of pathways. So, you know, it covers that, but actually, you know, and, and it covers it covers all the sort of typical, um, you know, issues you might want to see in terms of the actual, you know, the build of a machine, if you like, which I'm really pleased that the executive leads doing that um, because that's really important. It's also covering from schools' perspectives, from educators' perspectives, 
um, you know, how might you want to procure a system? Like, what questions should you be asking? Ray, Professor Rose Luckin and I co-wrote the No BS Guide to AI a few years ago because we just found actually the sector is not very clear. They think a learning management system or a maths app is an AI, you know, and, and actually um, it's not. So they're not all, you know, so, so I think that we, we focus on that as well. But on the other hand, in terms of your question about what's the big issue, actually for me, and the Institute has focused on this, um, I'm emphasizing it a little bit more because of COVID and, and what I've seen is, is access. You know, it is an ethical issue. If you've got this amazing technology that is demonstrating it's improving outcomes by 30%, right? So 30% increase in outcomes across the board if you have access to technology like this. Yeah. to ensure that the, the, access, the access is available. And so, you know, we've got to make sure that children from certain demographics circum you know, economically disadvantaged backgrounds have access to the technology and so um that's a huge issue and while they'll touch on that i think because it's important um you know at the moment i'm just seeing that you know it's pretty obvious with covid and online learning you've got the same news articles out there about you know the lack of homeschooling for example yeah lack of online provision i suppose i should say um from some schools and i don't think that's uh it's not for it's not for lack of trying it's yeah. just, uh, you know if you've got two parents working uh, in the house two devices in the house and you've got three kids what are you supposed to do so yeah. i think so, so i just think there are some bigger issues that the institute's not necessarily going to be completely you know focused on but, but there are organizations like wef so world economic forum mm -hmm. this amazing guy um seth there he was running the, uh, the sort of education side of that um, and he is looking at uh, you know post-COVID world um, education and ethics and so I think a lot of good people are working in these areas and it'll be really interesting to see what they you know what they come up with and I think that we should all we should we should look at those reports look at the um, you know whatever guidance they produce yeah and you know this has happened now so in our lifetime so we we, we, we have to prepare for we have to prepare for it happening again yeah, I agree. And now it's widely acknowledged, Priya, that um, STEM sectors are male-dominated industries. I guess I shouldn't even say wide, widely acknowledged. It is. So <laughs> um, despite a major drive to close the gender gap in STEM over the last 10 years, women still, some of the latest statistics I was looking at last week, women still make up just 17% of IT specialists in the UK. And of course, just one example. And there are plenty of other STEM-based professions, the majority of which are tech-focused, that harbour a yeah. similar gender imbalance. Um, now, this is an issue that stems from school, from girls not being encouraged um, or having adequate, adequate support, I guess. Um, so what advice, as a female CEO, uh, what advice would you offer a young girl who's really keen to pursue her passion in technology, but I guess experienced a sense of disillusionment from a sector from an education that lacks opportunity and encouragement maybe for women in the field. Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, I think this is such a, it's such a deep, it's a, it's a big problem and it's yeah. a, it's a complex problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yes, it exists at, at school. Um, you know, <laughs> girls sometimes don't pick certain careers and there's, there's some evidence of this. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's evidence that, that says this is not true. I mean, I always end up finding there's one bit of evidence that says X. Yeah. And, you know, all the growth mindset stuff that Carol Dweck done and suddenly there's evidence to say, oh, that's, that's not true anymore. I'm just thinking, you know, it is. <laughs> really, it's common sense as a parent. I want my child to not think that they have a fixed mindset. But, yeah. um, 
you know, there, there's also a lot of evidence, for example, parents in the playground, you know, and there's that whole sort of uh, uh, climbing pole experiment that was done where, you know, they'll tell their little boy to climb it, even if he falls down, the little girl goes near it. It's like, no, sweetheart, you know, be careful. And sort of teaching girls to be less, you know, less risk taking, more risk averse. Um, with the sciences, yes, um, it's been widely reported that girls are maybe not encouraged. I, it's really interesting because of the teachers that I meet, um, maybe it's an unconscious bias, but um, they encourage girls. I see lots of girls doing well in science, but then the numbers don't add up. They don't apply at higher education. Yeah. We have hardly any um, females going for sort of science and engineering degrees. So if they're mad about it and passionate about it, they're already most of the way there because you know you're passionate about it and you know you're mad about it. Um, I say to all girls, just do what, you know, if you've got a passion, it doesn't matter if it's science or engineering or if it's art or if it's drama or, you know, you want to be a tennis player or whatever, you know, mathematician, just if, if you love it and, um, you know, you speak to people, great role models around you, if you don't have any, which I t totally understand because I think some people struggle with that you know, ask the school to put you in touch with people, be proactive about it. Being proactive about things is a really good skill in itself, right? And, um, and just go for it and, and don't let anyone get in your way. And, and usually we get in our own way, right? Usually we just get in our own way rather than other people doing so. Yeah. So um, do that. And if it's, um, if it's the sciences and you're looking for things, you know, look, I mean, I run Century and I'm surrounded, but you know, I run Century and I'm surrounded by great men and women and they're all believers in women. Uh, all of them and um, not just my team but um also our investors there are some really really great people um who can advise you who can help you get some work experience that's what i would advise and if you need some more females to speak to you about it for go to work experience find some women speak to them um and reach out to them and it is it is a really complex and deep problem i think you know there are there are in a sense a lack of role models i mean there are some it's just yeah. that there are more men um but I think things are starting to change. I'm seeing the sentiment is changing, certainly, which is really important. Um, I just, I just always never want to kind of pigeonhole it into one, you know, this is the reason because, sure. um, because this, yeah, as I said, it's very complex, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if, if, if they're there and they want, they want to talk to anyone, I'd be happy if they want to reach out. Uh, oh. to me. I can't, can't guarantee a great conversation, but, um, <laughs> I have a lot of fun, right? So, um, we do some very serious work. Essentially, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a really serious thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's in schools and it's a really serious machine. It's not a, we, we don't, we, you know, it's, it does what it says on the tin. Um, but what I love about it, and I don't know if this will help them in any way, um, was I wasn't an engineer and I wasn't a techie. I, I didn't know how to code. Um, I was a lawyer, right? When lawyers don't know much about coding. No offense to the lawyers listening, but they don't. And, um, and, uh, and then I ran a food company. And then I started this. And but what I love about it is I learn. I learn on the way. So I've done online degrees, distance learning degrees. I've upskilled myself in various technologies. Um, I don't need to code myself and build it myself. I need to understand it myself. So if you love learning, if you love, if you're curious about something and you want to learn how to do it, mm -hmm. that's what you need. Learning yeah. how to learn, you know, that curiosity and then learning how to learn is the only skill that's really important to me because, um, you'll then find your way, right? And it doesn't matter if you pick the wrong A-level or the wrong degree and there's so much pressure about these things. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, when you get older, like me, a lot older, um, <laughs> you're <laughs> dyeing my hair um, at home at the moment. Um, but you know, <laughs> 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 
I think with this uh, crisis, we've all got to be a bit honest about, you know, um, no oh, make amazing, Priya. Oh, you are. I've just literally, as I said, you see me. I was texting you. Right? I, I was rushing quite <laughs> hot outside. I was rushing because the school was open today to see the kids and it got really hot. And I was like, I can't even get changed for this. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but basically, I think the thing is, look, just, just, um, yeah, just be curious. And when you're asking questions and you're not sure why something doesn't exist, like a problem that you've seen, a, a gap, you know, say gap in the market, like, you know, wow. problems that exist right now. You know, why, why haven't they been solved? How could you solve them? What could solve them? If it's technology, if it's using some sort of innovation, if you think you want to invent solar-powered fridges in Africa for, for carrying medicines or whatever, how does it work? The most yeah. important thing is, okay, well, how does that work then? You don't need to build the thing yourself, but to understand how to do it, how to put it together is a key. Um, and I think that inquisitiveness, you know, that's what gets you going. And, and, and just don't stop. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't, because <laughs> that's what I mostly hear, is it? You know, <laughs> I want to do this, but this person said, I can't do that. And I just think, well, I'm living proof of many people telling me not to. Do I think my husband still actually tells me, to not, you know, hire a gardener, don't lay the turf yourself. But I'm like, I want to learn how to do it and I'm going to do it. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that, that um, we're all practicing these skills all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, and just smile, be happy, stay safe and, um, and keep learning. I think that's obviously the end of the day here because I'm obviously rambling now about various you things. Got, got a little cliche at the end there and I love it. I live for the cliche. <laughs> If there's anything this thing has taught us, it's a bit of perspective, right? And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. Look, my kids are really interested in the vaccine. Yeah. So, you know, they're asking a lot of questions about the vaccine. I said, well, you know, you can learn how to, I don't know, you, you can maybe learn how to, you know, maybe one day you, you'll be able to create vaccines. It's the idea of... Um, Nurturing the inquisitiveness, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sort of opportunity. Um, and it is that growth mindset. I mean, you know, it's, it's the idea that you can. And, um, but I think we are getting better at this. And I do know that teachers in schools are, you know, so many of them have done CPD on, on growth mindset, on you know, neuroscience behind how we learn, et cetera. And, and they're doing a great job. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think we've got a lot of challenges um, on the way. But, uh, but you know, I think uh, hopefully we'll eventually we'll get there. I just think we just need to, we, we just need to solve some of these major issues, you know, that we're seeing in the country and like infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, yeah, I'm just impatient. There you go. <laughs> Taking on the world. No, I totally, I totally agree. And obviously it's not something that happens um, immediately. It takes time, but this is the perfect this is but, something this yeah, no, it's been talked about for years oh, this, oh exactly that's what i was gonna say it takes something like this yeah it's no that's the thing yeah we talked about it when 3g was a thing and then 4g was a thing i mean we're now talking about 5g oh. and some places haven't got 3g so you're sort of you know what should be mandatory is just strong i know we've got covid so it doesn't help the whole homeschooling thing but right. strong bandwidth in every school yeah, they managed it in uh, Uruguay. There's this um, semi, there's this genius called Miguel Brechner, who mm -hmm. is this Uruguay guy who I met. He basically he just he lobbies and lobbies and did practically organised it himself with the Ministry of Education. They've got they've got fibre in every school in Uruguay. If they can do that there, uh, we should be able to do it here. Yeah, totally. 
and I could talk to you all evening, Pia, but I'll let, I'll let you go because <laughs> I think that's just about all we've got time for. So, Thanks, Jen. No, thank you. All of us, of course, I would like to say thank you. Um, to everyone at home, I'd like to say that next up, we've got a session on the digital divide, which, um, so join me there. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And Priya, I'm, I'll speak again soon. Again, so lovely to hey. meet you over Zoom. Lovely, and thanks for the safer session. It was comfy. Yes, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <Thank> <laughs> Bye. Bye.